0: Well, good morning, Hope City Church. How are you all? You doing good? Happy 4th of July. It has already been exciting time out there with fireworks, but I also want to make sure you heard that we are having a fireworks show here tonight. So we're excited about that. It'll be out back. We've done this a couple of years in a row. Bring your lawn chair and we have Grater's ice cream truck come in and J-Mo's. So grab some chairs, friends, money, all of that. And we will be out back and we have a DJ, I think a DJ, right? That's always making a It's a party when the DJ infrared is here, right? So I'm excited about tonight. I hope that you are, but I'm really actually extremely excited that you're here today as we kick off this brand new series, The Moral of the Story. The Moral of the Story. My name is Katie, and I'm one of the pastors here, and if I haven't met you, I would love to um, have a chance to do that later, but... The next four weeks, we're going to talk about these parables that Jesus uh, spoke. And actually, there are over three dozen parables in the Gospels, uh, depending on who you ask. There are over three dozen, and most of them are less than 250 words, but full of amazing truth. They are full of amazing truth that Jesus spoke um, himself. He was the one that spoke these, and he did those for two reasons. Number one was because they um, prophes- was prophesied that he would. In Psalm 78, it says, he will come and speak in parables. So he was fulfilling the prophecy. And the second reason is to give more understanding to those that trust in the Lord. The believers out there, he wanted to help us understand more. It wasn't to confuse us or condemn us. It was actually to help, like, spark our interest, excite us, give us more curiosity. So each parable is like intricately nuanced with these beautiful pieces. And we're going to take those. It's like a piece of art and we're going to break it apart and we're going to see what God has to say through them for the next four weeks. So we're excited about that. In 1963, Israeli archaeologists excavated Herod the Great's palace. Layer after layer of history was removed. They found skeleton remains, ancient artifacts. But the most interesting find they found was a sealed jar full of three preserved seeds. Radiocarbon dated gave the age range between 155 B.C. and 64 A.D. So somewhere between the vicinity of 2,000 years old. They figured that these seeds belonged to an extinct species called the Judean date palm. Those seeds were put in storage for 40 years at the University of Jerusalem. But then, in 2005, they took three of the seeds and planted them into the ground. Eight weeks later, one of those seeds sprouted, making it the oldest seed to be successfully germinated. So they called it Methuselah, after the oldest person in the Bible. In 2008. The one seed had grown five foot tall with a dozen leaves. In 2011, those leaves sprouted flowers. And today, it is over 10 feet tall and produces pollen. You see, in the field of botany, there are two different kinds of seeds. Orthodox seed and unorthodox seed. The difference between an orthodox seed and an unorthodox seed is its ability to survive. An unorthodox seed cannot survive below 10 degrees Celsius. An orthodox seed can survive droughts and glaciers in centuries, just like Methuselah the tree. And today we're going to look at the parable of a mustard seed, which I would say is an orthodox seed. Your faith can withstand all circumstances. Your faith can live on past you. Your faith can affect nations and generations. And I am not exaggerating. Because I think that we actually underestimate the power of one single seed. Because our faith is in a God who can do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. We underestimate the power of a single Orthodox seed. But the truth is we underestimate a lot of things, right? How many of you in the room or online would say you underestimate how long it takes to get somewhere? That's me. I'm about five minutes late every single time. I underestimate traffic. I'm assuming... I underestimate the fact that there's other people on the road, I think, is what it is. The traffic that holds me up. Underestimate um, the amount of sunscreen to wear. I don't know about you all. This week has been great, but last week, like, underestimating the amount of sunscreen I need on my body. I underestimate that. Yep. Underestimating the hormones your teenager is having (laughs) or how long that will last. Underestimating um, things like committing to a travel sports team or an all-star team underestimating the amount of time that you're spending at a softball field. We also underestimate the power or the ripple effect of a wrong decision, something in our life that we've done wrong. But we also underestimate God's grace and God's forgiveness, right? We underestimate how beautiful and how wonderful it is to be saved. We are held captive by poor estimation you underestimate the difference that you're making today in someone's life. You underestimate, we underestimate how God wants to use us, right? We feel like the underdog, we're underestimating the power that God wants to use through us when we commit our life to him. But what I want you to know, even if you feel like you are an underdog or that you are are underestimating yourself, I want you to know that eternal impact happen starts with a single moment. Eternal impact starts with a single moment, and that's we're going to read today in Matthew 13 as we talk about the parable of the mustard seed. It's in Matthew 13, verse 31. It says, he put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. The man took and sowed in the field. So I I don't want to skip past the part where he says the kingdom of heaven is like, because a lot of us, are like, what does that mean? Is it some far off place that we think about as a child up in the clouds, the kingdom of heaven is like, and actually Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like five times in this one chapter. So it's important for us to know that Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven isn't just a far off place, it's actually something God is doing in us and through us. In Luke, it says, for indeed the kingdom of heaven is within you. What does that mean? It means that when we pray that our father and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let his will be done here. We are focusing on God doing something in us. His reign in our life, his goodness, his grace and mercy in our life. He wants dominion over us. So... Don't miss that. But what does it say that Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like? The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. And it's the smallest of all seed, but when it is grown is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds in the air come and make nests on its branches. So the kingdom of heaven, us, the work God done doing through us is like one single seed planted and it outgrows anything else. And all of a sudden these birds come and rest on its branches. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. One single seed having an eternal impact. An impact on someone else's life. Maybe you thought, I wish I could make an impact. I wish I could do more for God. How do I get to do more for God? Or maybe you think, I should have picked a more noble profession. Or I should have been a firefighter at the army. Like they make a difference in the world. They do so much for God. They do other things We all have a desire in our hearts to do more for the world, to make a difference, to leave our footprint. In fact, millennials and Gen Z prioritize their impact on the world over more traditional ambitions. Most consumers, 88% of consumers will pay more for a product if they know that it's giving back. They'll pay more for Tom's, like they give one, receive one. You'll pay more for that because we do have this desire inside of us you know, paying for recycling, things like that. 42% of millennials say they have begun or deepened a relationship with the business if they felt like the product or services was making an impact on the society or community. Our, one survey I read said that the priorities and aspirations of these generations have evolved. Having children, buying homes, and other traditional signals of adulthood, success makers do not top their list of ambitions. Instead, traveling, seeing the world, or a list of aspirations. They also are more attracted to making a positive impact on communities than even having children. This next generation would rather make an impact on the world, and I think that's true for all of us. Some of you all, I know would, if you could, take home like 10 foster kids, <laughs> like feeling like you're making a difference, or 50 dogs or something, just feeling like you're doing something, giving back. It's actually in Ecclesiastes, that says that he, God, has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, many people cannot see the scope of God's work from beginning to end. We are, it's planted in our heart to want to make an internal impact on the world. Planted in our hearts to focus on eternity, but only God knows. And the truth is, in this parable, we see that an internal impact starts with one single seed. One single seed. Let's take a look at the parable again. It says, A grain of mustard seed a man took and sowed. So, why is this man planting a mustard seed in the first place? It's probably not so that it would grow into this tree. He's not thinking about the birds that are gonna rest on it. He's like, I just want some mustard. Like I'm trying to be healthy. This is the only condiment I can have right now on my pretzel. So like he's like focused on the immediate need. He wants some mustard, but God takes it. God grows it. And these branches are produced so that birds can rest on it. So many times you have planted a seed and you had no idea what God was doing until you look back and you see, what he's done, right? We discount small beginnings. But as I was researching, I saw all these things about mustard seeds. It actually, has a really great benefits, Zinc and mercury and all these things when you research mustard seed, because Jesus talks about mustard seed, but like, why did he pick mustard seed? One of the things that I thought was extremely interesting was it was actually illegal to plant mustard seed at this time. It was illegal to plant. Why was it against the law? Because when planted mustard seed grows and grows and grows, and eventually it invades all the entire garden. It takes over the vegetables. It takes over the fruit. It takes over your neighbor's garden. It invades every area of your life, just like your faith does. When you plant a seed, it will grow and grow and grow and invade your life and people around you's life. So many times I have sat down with you and you said, how can I grow? How can I grow in my faith? And we talk about reading the Bible and we talk about prayer and we talk about being, you know, having a mentor in your life and all these things. And by the end of the conversation, I'm like, you know what? You need to bring someone along with you. You need to share your faith with somebody because that grows your faith. Sharing your faith, sharing your testimony with somebody, planting a seed will invade, make your faith invade every single area of your life. That is the kingdom of God that's working in us. But it takes three things for this to work. There's a gap. There's a gap that we all face between the kingdom, what God wants and looks, wants the kingdom of God to look like and what it's supposed to be and what it actually is. And it's plant, grow, impact. Plant, grow, impact. It starts with planting. 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 The problem is, is that we actually aren't that great at being planted or staying planted as a whole, unfortunately. We uproot ourselves out of fear or frustration. 30% of the workforce right now a day changes careers every 12 months, changing jobs. We're not staying planted there. And marriages, lack of planting there. In 2017, there's approximately 784,000 divorces Which is around one and a half million people got divorced. We struggle to stay planted. The average person changes churches every 18 months because we struggle to stay planted. We uproot ourselves. But the kingdom of God starts with you choosing to plant, to plant yourself, to plant a seed. I love that the scripture says that he planted a seed in his field. He wasn't worried about planting a seed in his neighbor's field because we all want to help everybody else, but we got to focus on our field. we got to focus on what's happening in our life. God has given you a field of influence. God has given you those children for a reason. God has given you this job for a reason. Our responsibility is to plant seeds in our field. In our field. Don't be distracted or feel responsible for everyone else's field. Our field. Our job. Our kids. What? do you need to say yes to today to plant a seed? What prayer do you need to pray to plant a seed? Who do you need to share the gospel with today to plant a seed? Sharing your story is something that we love to do around here. That's why we have hope stories because we know the impact it has when you plant one seed. When you pray one prayer, it can have a ripple effect speak to your neighbors, talk to anybody. One mustard seed is like donating to bless back. We think the immediate need. We think the mustard. There's a child that needs a backpack. We got that. But really, God says, no, this family is going to see the hope of Jesus through you. And then eventually another family will rest on its branches. We think donating a kid to a camp, we love that. We send our kids to summer camp and we have so many of you who sponsor them and we think, yes, this kid is gonna go. But we don't know is this kid's in a broken home and his mom doesn't know Jesus and she comes to know Jesus because of the seed that you planted, because of the fact that you gave money to something. But it's an act of faith. Planting a seed is an act of faith because you're letting go of something. Put it in the ground, and there's no return in the first place. You don't, do not see any return right away, right? You do not see any return. But you cannot grow what you don't sow. You cannot grow unless you put something into the ground. We will reap a harvest, but a harvest starts with planting. You have to sow a seed of faith, putting yourself out there, saying yes to something that you wouldn't normally The first step of faith that you need to have is to surrender your life to Jesus, to his lordship over your life. Accepting Jesus and following him is the first step, but then he gives you step after step after step after step. And that's faith. And that's growing. But it takes faith. And God will keep revealing new steps. But God is in charge of growing it. Amen to that. Grow is the second thing. And I love that God's t- God is in charge of the growth because I actually do not have a green thumb. And so sometimes when I read all of these things about growing things, I get a little bit like, oh my gosh, I, I, everything I plant dies. You know, like everything. I'm not kidding. Like, But okay, so I had a little get together at my house recently and my older sister saw this on my counter and it says, home is where the guard, my garden is. And she was like, Oh, that's so funny, Katie, because like you don't have a garden. Like you have some bushes that keep themselves alive. And I'm like, Look, you don't even know. I'm telling my sister, I'm like, look, I actually have this plant on my shelf from IKEA from four years ago. And it is alive and well, and I'm doing great. My friend Jessie's right there, and she's like, Hey, you know what that's alive? And I was like, Why? She's like, I water it once a month for you. <laughs> Thank you for friends in our life that grow. But sometimes, sometimes that's how God is. Like he's gonna give you a little bit of like, oh, good job, Katie, but really that was me. You know, really that was me, you know? So that's how I thought I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for friendships for that. But also thank you that God is in charge of the growing. In Isaiah 60, verse 21 and 22, it says, for I, God, will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. The smallest family will become thousands of people. And the tiniest group will become a mighty nation at the right time. I, the Lord, will make it happen. God is in charge of the growth. But if we can get planted, God will grow it. If we can get planted, God will grow it. But the problem is, is when we don't see anything happening, we get a little worried. We get a little worried. But we're not the only ones. Scripture is full of all these people that knew that God had something big Plan for their life, like Joseph sitting in prison, waiting and waiting. Abraham and Sarah prayed for a child, and they're waiting and they're waiting, but God is working behind the scenes. God is growing. David, stuck in a cave, he's like, I thought I was supposed to be king, but he's just waiting, waiting for God. Just like them, we might say, God, we don't see anything happening. We don't see it working. I've prayed for my husband, and I don't see any prospects. I'm buried in debt and I don't see the end in sight. Maybe a report came back and it's not good and you're not seeing the results that you thought you would see. But just because you don't see it working doesn't mean God isn't doing something. God is growing. and Before you ever see any fruit, God is deepening your roots. He is growing our roots. I mentioned Abraham and Sarah earlier and, You all probably know their story. They're like pushing 100. I think one of them is 100 by the time that they have a child. And they think that God's not doing anything. They prayed for a decade. They planted that seed for a decade of prayer saying, God, why aren't you doing anything? And God pulls Abraham out of the tent and looks up at the sky. He's like, you're not just going to have one child. You're going to have as many children as the stars in the sky. And we are that seed You're not just having one child. You're gonna have so many children that you cannot even imagine. But that's how God works because God brings the impact. God brings the impact. So we plant, God grows, and the impact and increase is from him. And we need that reminder today too. He is in charge of the increase. But we box God in and focus just on the mustard, just on the thing and say, I can't do that. And God says, plant it, let me grow it. Let me grow it and I'll give an impact. You thought that you had one plan. If I do this, then this will happen. But really God has other plans, bigger plans. I love in this parable, the two words that say, so that. It says the smallest seed, but when it has grown to larger garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests on its branches. Because we have no idea what God is gonna produce We have no idea what one one seed sown, one prayer prayed, one thing that we do. Never measure God's unlimited power by our limited expectations. So that, so that. In Acts, we're reminded of this prophecy of Isaiah where God says he's going to rebuild david's ruins and restore it it says afterward i'll return and restore the fallen house of david yes i'll return and restore the fallen house of david not because just for this one thing it says so that the rest of humanity might seek the lord including the gentiles all of those who have called to be mine we are those it wasn't just to restore the house of david it was so that all of humanity all of humanity all of humanity. The truth is, if God met your expectations, he'd never be able to exceed them. If he met everything that you're thinking he's going to do today, he would never be able to exceed them. Our so that is so different than God's so that, and his is so that is so much better. It's so much better. A few years ago, I was in uh, school at UofL, I was in my master's program, and I had this friend, it's actually a friend of Natalie Manning's, Uh, they went to school together, and she's, her and I used to have lunch together all the time, her name's Lauren, and she, her and Natalie had gone on this trip called Bible and Beach, and they went down to um, spring break, and they were, they were, designated drivers and they were sharing the gospel and all these things were amazing. And Lauren was like, it was so great. I just want to like, I just saw somebody converted on the beach. Like I want to do that all the time. And I looked at her and I said, Lauren, if you pray, God use me today. He will use you. I gave her this book called, I Want to Bear Fruit, talking about helping God find his lost children. And I'm like, Lauren, we will pray that prayer together. Like if you pray, God use me today, he will use you. And we were leaving a late class uh, one night and we're standing in the hallway and our other friend walks out. And this is a friend of mine who actually I've known for, my goodness, probably 14 years, but we weren't really that great of friends. Our husbands worked together. We went to each other's weddings, so we didn't really know each other that well. Um, And she walks out and she's crying after having talked to the professor. And we're like, Amber, what's going on? She's like, I just had to tell the professor I won't be here next week. And she's telling us this tragic story in her family that she's worried about her kids and worried about all these things that's going on. And I look and Lauren and I are standing there. I'm like, God's like, you need to pray for her right now. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) This is like seven years ago. I had never prayed out loud over somebody before. And I'm like thinking in my head, okay, this is the moment that like Lauren's gonna see that we can be used by God, right? So I'm like, okay, This is my so that. And then we pray over Amber so that she can have peace. And we pray for her. And the whole time I'm like nervous that I don't know her kids' names. That's how much I didn't know this person, you know? And I'm like, am I gonna say the right names? Am I gonna do the right, okay. But I'm praying and Lauren's with me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was incredible. Amber's like, thank you so much. So much peace is over me, so much. And Lauren's like, see, oh my gosh, we can do something here in our our field, right? But God so that, it was a seed of faith that was planted in Amber that grew into a tree so that the Sachs family could sit over here. Yeah. Amber and Brent's chapel's friends have now come to know Jesus yeah. so that Christina and Steve Lang could sit on this tree. So that Amber's mom could come into this building and get saved and go to our Celebrate Recovery. So that her aunt in Florida can join us online. I thought it was to give her peace and to show Lauren we can be used. But God said, so that. If you plant the seed, God will grow it and the impact will keep going. God only knows how big. We think five plus two equals seven. But God's math is so much different. If you add God into the equation, five plus two equals 5,000 men and women and children and 12 remainder. It's like a Mike Lennings sandwich turned into 5,000, right? You go home with leftovers every time. When you add God into the equation, you have no idea what the impact will be. We try to understand in terms of addition and God thinks multiplication. We think linear and he's like exponential, faith of one mustard seed overtaking your entire garden and your neighbor's garden in the entire neighborhood. Eternal impact starts with one single moment, one single seed that grows. What would our community look like if we let God be in charge of the impact? If we took care of our field, if we planted our seed in our field and God grew it and he was in charge of the impact? I'm gonna read one last story and then I'm gonna pray for us because this story is one that I heard a few years ago and it just stuck with me for a really long time um, and I just had to share it with you all. It's about Billy Graham. Um, Most of y'all know who that is and it says as of 2008, Billy Graham's estimated lifetime audience included radio and television broadcasts, top 2.2 billion. That means approximately 2.2 billion people have heard the gospel from Billy Graham's mouth. That's hard to wrap your mind around. Billy Graham has shared the gospel with more people than anyone else in history. But do you know who shared the gospel with him? It was actually a series of events that have been traced back over the years and starts with one single Sunday school teacher. You can count the apples on a tree, but you can't count the apples in a seed. So it is that the influence with one single person. Edward Kimball, for example, you never heard of him, rest assured most people never heard of him. Kimball was a Sunday school teacher who not only prayed for hyper boys in his class, but also sought to win each one of them to the Lord. He decided he would be intentional for every single last one of them. Many times he thought about throwing in the towel. If you've ever taught Bible to young children, you know that the experience can often be like herding cats or some of our people like to call it a circus around here. The young one man in particular didn't seem to understand the gospel and what it was about. So Kimball went to the shoe store where he was stocking shelves and confronted him in the stockroom room in the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That young man was Dwight L. Moody. In the stockroom on that Saturday, he believed the gospel and received Jesus Christ as his savior. In his lifetime, Moody touched two continents for God with thousands professing Christ through their ministry. But the story doesn't end there. It actually begins there. Under Moody, another man known, knew the Lord, come to know the Lord, William Chapman, Wilbur Chapman. Chapman became the evangelist who preached to thousands. One day, a professional ball player had a day off and attended one of Chapman's meetings, and thus Billy Sunday was converted. Sunday quit baseball and became a part of Chapman's team. Then Chapman accepted a pastoral position at a large church and Billy Sunday began his own evangelistic crusades another young man was converted whose name was Mordecai Ham. When Ham came to Charlotte, North Carolina, a sandy-haired, lanky young man then at a high school vowed that he would never go to hear him preach, but Billy Frank, as he was called by his family, eventually did go. Ham announced that he knew for a fact that a house of ill repute was located across the street from the local high school and that male students were skipping lunch to visit the house across the street. When students decided to go to interrupt the meeting, Mordecai Ham of meeting Mordecai and Billy Frank decided to go see what would happen. That night, Billy Frank went and he was intrigued by what he heard. Returning another night, he responded to the invitation and was converted. Billy Frank eventually became known as Billy Graham, the evangelist who preached to more people than any other person, even the Apostle Paul. But it started with a single moment in a shoe store with a hyper young boy you will make an impact that outlives you. You will make an impact on generations and nations, but it starts with one single seed, sharing your testimony with one single person. Don't underestimate the small moments in the power of our God. It's not about our dreams or our goals, it's about who we become and who we impact in the process. We plant seeds so that our faith can grow and others faith can, other people's faith can grow. So that a family that doesn't have the hope in Jesus comes to know Jesus. So that billions of people have a chance to hear the gospel. Plant the seed in your field. Share the gospel with your kids. Tell people about Jesus so that your faith grows and God can be glorified. You can be used by God for his kingdom, but it starts with one single seed of faith. When we plant it and water it, God gives the increase. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to have an eternal impact. God, I pray that we do not discount in single seeds of faith, God. God, I pray for the people in the room that maybe have planted seeds, seeds of prayer, seeds of faith, and they're like Abraham and Sarah, and they're waiting, God, and they're waiting and they're hoping, but God, I pray that you give them a sense of renewal. Know that you are working behind the scenes. As they're waiting, you are working, God, no matter what. God, I pray for those in the room that have not taken the step of faith to share their story, with somebody that they love, God, I pray that you just give them the courage to plant that seed today. God, I pray that you just use each and every person in this room, God, to grow your kingdom. God, that a mustard seed is planted today and it grows and it invades every area of their life. God, in every area of our life, God. God, we have a desire to make an impact for you, to make a difference in this world. God, I pray for those that feel like they miss their moment. God, I pray that they understand that your grace is bigger than their mistakes. Your grace is bigger than anything they could ever do, God, and that you can continue to use them. God, I pray that they just plant seeds in their field, their field of influence, their field at their job, their field at their home. God, I pray that you just use each and every person to grow your kingdom so that we can bring hope to the hopeless. God, that you can bring joy to the people that don't have joy. God, God, thank you for using us in these moments. In your holy name we pray, amen.